Dear God, we thank you so much for loving us and bringing us this place, this moment. I pray that you tear down the distractions and the busyness we have built up in our heart and our minds from a week of just running to and fro, all kinds of crazy stuff. And here we are gathered here in this space where we can kind of turn our attention to you. I pray that you'd help us do that, that you'd help us focus and hear from you. We don't want to hear from me. We don't need me. We don't need more of us. We just need you to speak through your spirit and the inspired word of God to show us what we need to see and help us, help us change the way you want us to change and take the steps forward you want us to take. We're so thankful for Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I got a message for you. It's going to be difficult. We've been taking six weeks to walk through David and Goliath. It's, it's, a story, it's a story recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we've been walking through it one slow step at a time, but I, I think there's so much depth in here, so much good stuff, practical stuff in here. I hope it's been a blessing to you so far. Week one, we talked about how to show up with a cheese plate. David just did the little things, the small things. He showed up with a cheese plate and God did something extraordinary in his life because he was willing to, to be faithful in the ordinary, to give God the ordinary. And we talked about how if you give God the ordinary, he'll do something extraordinary in it. If you're faithful in the small stuffs, if you, if you show up with the cheese plate when that's what's required of you, God will do more than you've expected. And then last week, we talked about giants. We talked about Goliath. When we talked about our giants, and we talked about how to face them differently with a spiritual perspective to see them differently. And uh, this week, we're talking about how to face disappointment. I don't know if you've faced some disappointment this week. Maybe you've faced some disappointment in some expectations that have been blown up. Maybe you've faced disappointment in a person or a relationship. I don't know. Hopefully, nobody's, everybody's like, I don't, this one doesn't apply to me. I'm going to be like, good. I'm glad this one doesn't apply to you. But if you, like me, have had your share of disappointment and People, kind of like every time you take a step forward, they want to push you down, push you back, then this one, I think, will really land. It's going to be hard for me, though, because I have to stop at the very first couple words of verse 34 and not go into the rest, because that's next week. So if you have your Bible, slip them open to Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 27, you can pop it up on your phone. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we have free Bibles in the back. We give them away every week. Um, they're great to write, write in and put notes in and highlight. And if you don't have your Bible, you can just listen to me. I got mine. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 27. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this was the other warriors around David as he's inquiring about this giant who for 40 days has been shouting them down and taunting them, and taunting God. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking, isn't it interesting that like every time you take a step forward, somebody's gonna discourage you? Every time 
you try to take a step forward in any aspect of life, but especially spiritually, you are going to be met with discouragement. And how you face it matters. We're going to get two incredible pictures of very discouraging people coming from very different places with their discouragement. We're going to learn something about how David faces them as he steps out in faith to face his giant. Eliab's the first one. David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger. That's a ridiculous reaction, isn't it? He burned, all David's doing is asking some questions about this giant and what the king had said about whoever fights him. He burns with anger at him and said, watch how this escalates. Why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? So belittling. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away. I have that circled in my Bible. To someone else. And brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Bible always reads well with a soundtrack. <laughs> let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, here's discouragement number two. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, and we got to put a dot, dot, dot in there, because we're not going to get into what David said to Saul. It's a whole sermon next week. So you got to show up with or without your mom next week if you want to hear the rest the rest of it, this discouragement, it pops up. Yeah, I grew up in the shake it off culture. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't know if you're a Gen Xer. I know I look young for that, but I'm, I grew up, I'm a Gen X. And we grew up, us Gen Xers, we're the toughest generation. <laughs> Maybe not. But, be, but because our parents weren't paying attention and then when we got hurt, you know what they said? Shake it off. Like you get, you get like... <laughs> I was my youngest son. He was, he's playing, he loves baseball. He's a, he's a total baseball head. And uh, he, uh, last week, he got beamed. He got a tie and tight fastball off the helmet and the shoulder, right? Like, and, and I sat there and he's, don't worry about him. He's a tough kid. I yelled, way to eat it, way to eat it, right? Everybody looked at me. I yelled it way louder than that and way more enthusiastically. Everybody looked at me like I was crazy. But that's because we grew up in the shake it off, don't rub it kind of culture, right? Like, you get, you, you like get a bruise. It's like, don't rub it, just shake it off. You're good, get down there to first base. You like tweak your ankle, you're fine. I don't see blood, there's no blood, right? So it's like, if it wasn't bleeding, it wasn't a real injury. You're good, you could be like, your leg's broken, and somebody'd be like, 
You're, just walk it off. Get down there. Shake it off. Get down there to first base. I don't see any blood. Stop crying. Get to first base. You know, Wait, take one for the team. That's the kind of culture we grew up in, the shake it off culture. You ever been there? You have somebody like right there like, oh, you're all right. Just, keep, just, just brush yourself off. Get going. You'll be fine. Like, it'll heal. Don't, don't suck those tears back in. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> you ever hear that? You ever hear that one? I heard that one a lot. I'll give you something to cry about. It was a shake it off world. The problem is, though, like, you can shake some things off. You take a, you, you take, you can take, shake some, you get beamed in the helmet, you can shake it off probably, probably, especially at Little League. Those kids aren't throwing 90-something. You, you, like, twist your ankle, maybe you can shake it off, you get some brush burn, sliding into second, you can shake it off. But there's one time, right, like, I got knocked out on a play on, at the plate, right? Like, I, I'm laying on home plate, unconscious, blacked out. I wake to my two coaches and my dad looking over me like this. And my dad says, can you get up? Like, first words. <laughs> now, you see, sometimes, the problem with the shake it off culture is sometimes you can't shake it off. But we keep trying. We keep trying to shake it off. We get discouraged, we face discouragement, somebody hurts us, and the harder it hurts, the more it hurts, the more difficult it is to shake it off, but we keep trying, and we keep trying, and the problems keep increasing, and the pain eventually multiplies, and it spills out into all of our relationships, it affects our lives. Sometimes you can't shake it off. And my fear is that we've been dealing with discouragement the same way. Somebody says something to, to bring us down, to discourage us, and we think, I just gotta shake it, just gotta keep shaking off. We just gotta shake it off. We never deal with it right, and it starts to affect us. It sinks deep into our hearts, it affects our other relationships. So you can shake off the little stuff, but the more discouragement you face, the harder it is, the more difficult it is to shake it off. And some of you have been walking and carrying the baggage of discouragement that you suffered as a child trying to just shake it off and move on with your life. God's got a better plan than that for dealing with pain and discouragement. And I'm not gonna be able to get into all of it this morning, but what I wanna talk to you about is, is like how you start matters. We talked about how to see a giant differently. Today, I want to talk to you about how to face discouragement differently and these lessons from David. You think right now it should have been a different story. You, you, I hate those words. Should have been. Should have been. You ever say those words? I am guilty of saying those words a lot. Ah, should have done this. Should have done that. Should be different. Should have. Th those words encapsulate two, two kinds of things, right? Like regret and blown up expectations. They, they, they are filled with those two things. When I'm saying like, ah, I should have done it differently. I, I should have said this. I should have not said that from the pulpit. <laughs> you know, like that's my, that's my like Sunday afternoon, by the way. Um, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just living in regret. Or I'm saying like, ah, it should it be different. It shouldn't feel this way. It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this difficult. That is just expressing my blown up expectations. And in either one of those circumstances, you know what I don't see in my life in those moments where I'm stuck and should have? I don't see grace. And I'm not looking at my 
world through the lens of faith. If you're someone who has been disappointed because of the should-haves in your life, this is just a little snippet before we get into David here, I, I think like he would have been a, one of those people like, man, I'm stepping out. People should be supporting me. People should be lifting me up. People should be helping me carry the burden. People should be helping me figure out how I'm gonna fight this guy. People should be cheering me on. But when you step out in faith, that's not what you get, is it? When you step out in faith in your own life, when you decide, I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna read my Bible, I'm gonna do things different, I'm gonna start living differently. When you decide to step out, the, almost immediately what we get smacked with is discouragement. You can't shake it off though. Because usually the worst of that discouragement comes from the people closest to you. I say that, I know that's heavy, and I know that I'm just as capable of that as anybody else, as are the people you're sitting with. You can't shake it off the more it hurts. You just can't shake it off. If you're stuck in should-haves, here's, here's what I, I wanna say, right? Like, God's grace through Jesus is enough for you. Amen. It's enough. He offers you this grace for you to not just know about, but to live in, to apply. You don't have to live with regret because God's grace will cover that. You don't have to carry the burden of your past mistakes. God's grace will cover that. You don't have to be stuck in your past and all the decisions you wish you would have made different. God has grace for you today to live in and to be free of regret. And he offers you faith to see your circumstances through so you don't have to worry about the blown up expectations of your today or tomorrow. You can see the lens through new mercies that he offers you every day if you let your faith direct you. David, he comes to this place and when he's stepping up, the discouragement smacks him right in the face and it comes from a person who is closest to him who knows him, who's supposed to love him, who should, know, who should be for him. David, he, I don't know why Eliab, I don't know why Eliab jumps on him so fast, so hard. Maybe it was fear, maybe it was envy. Maybe when you decide to step out in faith, other peoples just see their own insecurities, their own weaknesses, and they act out to you because of their own junk. Eliab, he does a couple of things. I just want to zoom in here on these verses in 28. It's just a short little speech. You know how some people can cut you down with a sentence? That's what Eliab's trying to do to David but it doesn't cut him down. It doesn't cut him down. He does a couple of things. First he says like, um, his anger burns within him. That's a red flag number one. Why are you so angry with your brother who's just asking questions? This is about you and your heart, Eliab. 
It's not about David. You wouldn't be burning with anger just at him asking some dude some questions. You got some junk in your heart that's unresolved, okay? And then he goes like this. He goes, I'm sorry, I'm excited. It's 11 o'clock, I'm a little hangry. Uh, I didn't eat enough of the Mother's Day muffins this morning. He says, why have you come down here? Questions his motives. But it escalates, doesn't stop there. People will start by questioning your motives when you step out in faith. Well, you just, it's just about you, isn't it? You need all the attention. What are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to be? You're better than us. They'll question your motives. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. He goes, he questions his motives, and then he says, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? He questions his responsibility. And he belittles him at the same time. It wasn't a few sheep. It was an important job, taking care of the sheep while all his brothers were on the front lines, taking care of the flock for the family. It was an important job, but he belittles him, and he questions his responsibility. (laughs) And then he attacks his character and his spiritual walk with God. I know you. I know how conceited you are. There it is, a shot to your character. I know how prideful you are. I know how selfish you are. I know how arrogant you are. I know how cocky you are. I know who, I know you. You're stepping out, and I'm not just gonna attack your character and who you are as a person. I'm gonna attack your relationship with God. He goes on and he says, your wicked heart, that's why you're here, because you're wicked. You just wanna see the fight. Had no grip on reality, it wasn't true. Sometimes people will speak hard truth to you if they love you, but you can tell the difference. I hear this discouragement comes from somebody close to him and it cuts so deep. If you've been cut deep by someone close to you who you loved, you have to know this they have said about you is not true. This doesn't capture all of who David is. This isn't who David is to God. It's not who David is to his father. It's not who David is. I'm so thankful that he doesn't just buy it. He doesn't own it. You see, David here, it says in Scripture, and I know this is like getting real practical and we're kind of like nailing it down. Thanks for hanging with me. He he just responds. He doesn't react. He responds. It's short, and he turns away. What have I done? Can't I even speak? And that's the end of it. You see, what David doesn't do is he he doesn't linger on it. He doesn't react, matching anger with anger, matching emotion with emotion. He doesn't react, he doesn't linger on it, he doesn't own it. But the lies that are pitched at us, the discouragement, man, most of the time we own that stuff. Oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't be asking these questions. Maybe I should just go home. Maybe I don't belong. 
And we buy into and own the lies that are spun at us. He's trying to cut him down. It reminds me of the thief. I think maybe the thief got a hold of Eliab here. The thief has come to kill and destroy and to steal from you. The good shepherd has come to give you life. He doesn't own it. And you gotta, you gotta stop owning the lies people tell you that highlight your insecurities. You can't own it. What the discouraging people, the hurtful people say to you doesn't encapsulate all of who you are and it doesn't come close to encapsulating all of who God has called you to be. Don't own the junk that the Eliabs in your life are gonna throw at you. Don't linger on it. Don't stew on it. Turn away and find some new people. Now I just gotta tell you, right, like he also doesn't disown his brother here. He doesn't say, you're not my brother, you're dead to me. He just moves on. He keeps moving forward. He keeps moving forward. You don't gotta disown him but you gotta keep moving forward. Saul's a little different. Saul just couldn't see it. You got two kinds of people that'll be discouraging. There's probably more, but in this passage there's two, and I'm not smart enough to come up with more, right? Like, there's two in this passage. You got this, this one who's really close to him and one who's not close to him. The hardest and the most hurtful stuff comes from the close one, his oldest brother, who attacks all of those different things. Saul gives him some discouragement. He, he says, like, I don't get it. You're little. <laughs> He's big. You're a kid. Teenager. That dude... I don't know, but he's like nine foot six. He's got a huge stinking spear. Like, I don't even know if you could beat up the guy who's carrying his shield. Like, could you even get over that shield if you had to hop it? Like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand. Like, it's completely different in their approach. Saul doesn't see it. He says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior for his youth. But David said to Saul, and the next bunch of verses are David helping Saul see it. You see, Saul was looking at this picture, and he was comparing David with an ideal. He was looking at the circumstances without considering God. He wasn't seeing God in the picture. He's just seeing man, kid, verse giant. That's it. And because of that kind of discouragement, David tells him the story. He helps him see it. Man, you got to understand something. And I, God's been doing something in me. He's, he's working in my life. I'm not who I was. He's taken me somewhere and I'm committed to following him. He's prepared me for this moment. Of course you didn't see it. You weren't there, but I'm telling you, like God's doing something. He's with me. I'm walking forward on his strength. You you see the difference? With this kind of discouraging person, you just gotta help them see. You can give them the choice to see it. Man, there's some of you moms, they, don't, they just don't, the discouraging people in your life, they just don't see it. 
They don't see all you're dealing with. They don't see what God's been working in your heart. They don't see where he's taking you. Some of you kids, man, like your parents just don't see it yet. They don't see what God's been doing in your life or where he's taking you. And man, your boss just doesn't see it. Your coworkers, maybe they just don't see it. But you can show them. You can show them that you're just not walking on your own. You can show them this God in whom you trust and whom you will follow. This God who slays giants. You can show them. There's two different responses from two different kinds of discouraging people. And we are best not to treat them the same. The, the difference here in understanding what kind of discouragement you're up against and how you should respond, the difference is discernment. David could discern the junk Eliab was pushing on him from the questions legitimately that Saul had about him. He takes time with one and he brushes his shoulder off with the other, right? Like, get away. I'm not dealing with it and I'm not gonna own it. Discernment is a difference. Now here's, here's something important because I'm gonna wrap this in a second. But Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Amen. Discernment is how to tell the difference. And to tell the difference, you can't go at it alone. You gotta have some voices helping you see it clearly. I got three things, a couple things here at the end. I don't even know if it's three. Um, about how to face discouragement. How to face discouragement. Here's the first thing I think that I, I learned from David's strength in this situation. Maybe it'll help you. Like if you're dealing with some discouragement, maybe your discouragement isn't about people, it's just about blown up expectations. Maybe your discouragement is about regret. Maybe your discouragement is about the people in your life who seem to like cut you down and try to to try to keep you stuck. Maybe whatever your discouragement's about, I think these things will help apply. One, you gotta know who you are and you gotta know whose you are. I'm about to ruin all the grammar you ever had because I'm not gonna get this right. But like, right, like you gotta, you gotta know who you are. You gotta know that your weaknesses don't define you. Your insecurities don't direct you. Like you are so much more than what the discouraging detractors will say about you. They're gonna share lies about you. You aren't those lies. You are so much more, so much more. But even more importantly than knowing who you are is knowing whose, to whom you belong. Whose you are is way more important Man, I am not my brother's. I am God Almighty's. I'm not my husband's or my wife's. I'm God. I'm first, I'm God's. And what he says about me trumps what everybody else says about me. It's, I'm going I'm to sit in what God says about me because I am his. And if you're not his, I have no idea how you face discouragement. I have no idea how you face a giant. I think it might crush you. Thank God through faith in what Jesus has done and belief, confessed, believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth like Romans 10, 9, and 10, all of us can be his. 
One, know who you are and know whose you are. Here's number two. Number two is this, get out of the echo chamber. You need to get some voices outside of your immediate circle to speak into the relational issues that you got going on. Mom, I love you, but when you're giving advice about a, a dysfunction between your two children, your vice is probably a little tainted, right? Like, you gotta get out of the echo chamber. You can't just be in the circle of friends that keep telling you the same thing. I'll oh, ignore them, let's go out and party, right? Like, you can't, you gotta get out of the, the Facebook comment section that's just telling them, Telling you nonsense is not really helping. You gotta get out of the circle that's just giving you the same garbage advice over and over and over again. You gotta get out of the echo chamber to hear wise counsel from people so you don't fall. And so if you fall, you have help to get back up. Amen. Man, you need people. God created you for relationships and he's given you the church other believers who are following Jesus, we're supposed to bear each other's burdens and lift each other up all the more the darker the days get. And by the way, man, I am so sick and tired of hearing preachers shout down and, and insinuate that Christian people shouldn't need counseling. I'm in counseling. If you don't think Christians should ever have to go to counseling, then you need to find another church. I don't know how much clearer I can get. Man, I knew when my dad died that I would need somebody outside my circle, somebody outside my relationship, somebody outside my, if I was gonna be a good pastor through this storm, if I was gonna be a good dad through this storm, if I was gonna be a good husband through this storm, I needed somebody outside my circle who loved Jesus and who had some experience walking people through some of this stuff to help speak into my life truth that I was blind to. See, you, you gotta get out of the circle. Start listening to some Jesus people who have been there and who have walked through it. Enough about that. Here's the third thing, right? Like, I'm all fired up. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I don't know if 930 could handle the vibe this one, but, uh, but you can. Here's the, here's the last one. Ask God for courage and keep moving forward. You gotta ask. It's, see, what happens is you step out in faith and then people come at you. And you know what it feels like? There's some people here that could, it feels like lonely. Really lonely. It's tough when you step out in faith and the people you expect to be most supportive just throw garbage at you. It's tough when you step out in faith and the people you thought would lift you up and encourage you got nothing but negative stuff to say. It's tough when you're stepping out in faith and people wanna point out all the reasons why you shouldn't step out in faith. It's tough. And walking forward is very lonely. But you're not alone because God's with you. You can trust him and you can lean into him and start by just asking him for the courage to be able to walk through the hurt and disappointment and to keep moving forward in the direction he has for you. I hope this doesn't even apply. I hope you're like, man, things are great. 
I don't got any discouragement. Everybody around me loves me. If that's you, awesome. I'm envious. But maybe you have some discouragement going on in life. Maybe there's been some things in your life that, that have blown up on you, that have gone south on you. I just want to encourage you, don't own the lies. Live in the grace God has for you through Jesus. Look at your future through the lens of faith. It may be lonely right now, but it won't last. Keep walking forward and God will bring you what you need. He is enough for you to go walk towards the giants in front of you. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much. We don't have to face discouragement by shaking it off. We can just give it to you. We don't have to pretend it doesn't hurt. We can just let our broken hearts heal in you. Disappointment is tough, and I just pray you'd help us learn to face it differently. Help us not to own the lies that the enemy throws at us, no matter whose voice they're coming from. To know so securely who we are to you and in you and through you. To place our identity in you. To find our strength in you. And to be able to keep moving forward even in the face of discouragement. We thank you that you are faithful. That we will never outrun you. That we can't step. That you are with us. Psalm 139. There's nowhere we can go you aren't. Thank you for your incredible love and the cross. It's all we have. In Jesus' name, amen.